The theme of our introduction to the Packers' Week 1 game against the Bears was pretty simple. Chicago had closed the gap and could be ready to leap over the Packers in the NFC North. I don't want to give us too much credit for predicting the Bears' rise, though, because I didn't think it would happen quite so quickly. In that preview, we focused on the Bears' offseason spending spree, targeting six players upon whom Chicago had spent big, taking advantage of the rising salary cap and a cheap young quarterback. Those six players have, by and large, performed very well, too. Allen Robinson has battled injuries all season, but when he's healthy, he's been productive. He scored four touchdowns for the Bears this year, including two in his best performance of the season, a breakout game against the Lions almost exactly a month ago. Taylor Gabriel has been as productive in Chicago as he ever was in Atlanta. He's already hit a career high in catches and is on pace to set a new career high in yards. Prince of Mukamara has matched a career high with three interceptions. More importantly, he's stayed relatively healthy, which has been a problem in his career to date. Trey Burton is taking advantage of his first extended opportunity as a starting tight end. He, too, is on pace for career highs in pretty much every major statistical category. And Kyle Fuller, who the Packers tried to snag with an offer sheet, has smoothed out some of the bumps of his inconsistent play over the past two seasons. His seven interceptions and 19 passes defensed both lead the league. And of course, then there's Khalil Mack, the crown jewel of the Bears offseason. What we saw for Mack in week one may have been his best single game performance so far this year, but it's hardly his only good game. He's had two multi-sack games this year, four games with at least two quarterback hits, and he's forced a league-leading six fumbles this year. He's easily been worth the enormous contract extension and the increasingly small price in draft picks the Bears gave up to get him. Now, it's true the Packers are armed with multiple first-round picks and significant cap space of their own next offseason. With the right moves, they could easily retake the NFC North, but not this year. The Bears have resoundingly answered our week one question. Their rapid rebuild worked. It closed the gap and then some with Green Bay and vaulted the Bears into contention. And the Packers, Vikings, and Lions are all playing catch up. The only question now is whether or not the Packers can turn the tables for a week and keep their season from being lost to the Bears entirely. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Let's take a look at this week's game. Here are five things for you to think about during Sunday's Packers-Bears matchup. Let's start by talking about the pass rush for both teams, first and foremost. Somewhat coincidentally, the Packers and Bears have both collected exactly 40 sacks so far this season. But it's interesting to note the difference in what downs those sacks are coming on for both teams. The Packers have gotten 20 sacks, half of their total, on third downs. The Bears have just 14 third down sacks, but they also have gotten another 14 on first downs. That means while the Packers are getting their opponents off the fields with sacks on third downs, the Bears are more likely to put their opponents in long down and distance situations with first down sacks. Number two, the Packers and Bears may be equal in their sack totals, but they're miles apart when it comes to creating turnovers, especially interceptions. The Bears lead the league with 25 team interceptions so far this season. No other team in the league has even reached 20 yet. 11 different Bears players have recorded at least one interception this year. As a team, 
The Packers have totaled just seven interceptions through 13 games, and three of those picks belong to HaHa Clinton Dix. Number three, if we're going to talk interceptions, though, we have to at least mention Aaron Rodgers and his interception free streak. We've pointed out in the past that there's at least a little bit of luck involved when it comes to avoiding interceptions. There were a couple interceptable passes in the Packers' win over the Falcons that defenders just dropped. But still, it was September, the last time Rodgers threw an interception. That counts for something, right? Now, if that streak is going to end, though, there's a good reason to think it could happen against the Bears. Chicago defenders have intercepted Rodgers more than any other team in the league. Rodgers has thrown interceptions in 9 of 21 career games against the Bears, counting the playoffs. And when those playoff games are included, the Bears are one of just three teams against whom Aaron Rodgers has had multiple multi-interception games. The other two are the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number four, the Packers and Bears have starkly different results when it comes to balance among their receivers. While the Packers have leaned heavily on Devontae Adams, and for good reason, the Bears have targeted a diverse range of pass catchers. Five different Bears have caught at least 30 passes so far this season. Only Adams and Jimmy Graham have reached that mark for the Packers. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is close, though. He has 29 through 13 games. Number five, Sunday's game is somewhat unique in that it features two very mobile quarterbacks. Mitchell Trubisky is almost a throwback to when quarterbacks were as much runners as they were throwers, and Rodgers has always been known for his ability to take off and run. But Rodgers has been limited in his rushing attempts so far this year due to that famous week one knee injury, but when he has run the ball, he has been very effective. His 6.1 yards per carry average is his highest mark since he averaged 6.3 in 2014, which is notable because he was also limited in his rushing ability that season due to a calf injury. He hasn't scored a touchdown this season, though. The last time he scored on the ground was week 16 of the 2016 season against the Vikings. Meanwhile, Trubisky's running ability is notable for how often he's been able to collect big plays. It's not quite an apples-to-apples comparison, but Trubisky's four runs of 20 or more yards in just 57 attempts is vastly more than Packers running back Jamal Williams has managed in his 86 attempts this season. Williams has yet to record a run of 20 or more yards this year. What young player should be we be watching this week? This is something we started last week, noting that the Packers still have a very long shot to make the playoffs, so we may be better off focusing on some younger players. And this guy's been a favorite of, his, of mine since we first pointed him out in the aftermath of the draft when he signed as an undrafted free agent with the Packers. But I've got to give another mention to Tyler Lancaster. He's playing more and more snaps on a weekly basis, and it, his efforts against the Falcons were quite strong. Now, the Bears have a pretty strong offensive line, and it's been one of the hallmarks of their success this year. The Packers could use another strong effort from Lancaster again this week if they're going to stay competitive, and that defensive line just seems to be getting thinner and thinner by the week. What happened the last time the Packers and Bears played? Well, you probably remember this one. It's very rare that you can look back and say that a game was truly an all-timer right off the bat, but the Packers-Bears game in week one really just was. We may never see another game quite like that again. The circumstances were just too unusual, and the Packers are just playing too poorly 
until they weren't. Remember, even before Aaron Rodgers got hurt, things were not going particularly well for the Packers. Only one of the four drives Rodgers led before his injury lasted longer than three plays, not including punts. And things obviously only got worse from there. All told, the Packers had five drives, or seven drives, excuse me, in the first half. And here's how they ended. A punt, a punt, a punt, another punt, a fumble, an interception, and then the end of the first half. But, of course, it got better. The Packers scored on four of their five drives in the second half, only breaking their scoring streak to kneel down the final 58 seconds worth of game time as they came out with that win. So who's going to win this time around? I think there are really only two possible outcomes in this game. A close Packers win or a big Bears win. The Bears didn't find a way to put the Packers away in week one, and it cost them in the biggest possible way. And thanks to the strength of the Packers offense, such as it is, I think there's still a strong possibility that a close game could favor Green Bay. If the Packers can keep it close, I think they squeak it out. But if the Bears get rolling, this game could be trouble. A big Chicago lead could make the Packers one-dimensional on offense, and that favors the Bears and their ferocious pass rush. I think if the Bears get more than a 10-point lead, chances are they'll end up winning by closer to 20. And I really do think that Bears win is the more likely outcome here. Not going to peg a score on this one, but I do think Chicago comes out on top. There's just too much to overcome for the Packers. Let's take a look at our surveys, though, for this week, and our voters are feeling pretty confident. Polling shows a 59.25% win confidence rate this week, higher than the Packers' last divisional game against the Vikings back in Week 12. That continues a positive trend for our voters overall. All of the major Packers figures we track got a bump to their poll numbers this week, none bigger than Aaron Rodgers. Voters have been down on the QB lately, but his weighted approval rating is up to 62.25%, the first time he's been over 60% since week 12. People are also warming a little bit to the possibility of the Packers making a playoff push. Fans show a 39.5% confidence rate that the Packers will be playing in the postseason. Still pretty low, but significantly higher than last week. One last thought. The idea of a trap game is always a little bit nebulous. It's hard to nail down exactly what that means. I think you know what it feels more than you know what it means. But more often than not, over the past decade or so, I think we can agree that the Packers have been a team that's more or less had to be on the watching outside of the trap game. Watch out for that trap game. They're the ones in danger of falling into the trap. You fail to take a team too seriously and you never know what can happen. You could end up losing a game you shouldn't. And that's more or less exactly what took down Mike McCarthy, an unexpected loss to the Cardinals and suddenly he's out of a job. But I think this week could be a trap game of a different sort for the Packers they might be able to take advantage of a team that's coming off of a big high. The Bears just had a triumphant, well-deserved, hard-fought win over the mighty Los Angeles Rams, and they should be riding pretty high. And they really don't have all that much to play for this Sunday either, other than pride. Could it at least be possible the Bears are in danger of being trapped by the Packers? I'm not always sure I believe in such a thing as a trap game, but I also wouldn't necessarily rule it out. We'll see together on Sunday afternoon. I hope you enjoy Sunday's game. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Blue 58. We'll see you Monday morning recapping what we hope will be a Packers win. Blue 58!